0: is Parsha's Lech and what I want to do is I want to start with the beautiful Dubna Magid in Parsha's Nayach and use that as a basis for a, uh, a Yusait that we're going to see I think a beautiful Yusait in Parsha's Lach the Dubna Magid says about Nayach on the Pasuk that Nayach Yachel Nayach Isha Adama Vayita Karim Nayach came off of the Teva and the first thing that he did was he plants a vineyard and we know that he ended up on that very same day the grapes grew very quickly on the vine and they fermented and they turned into wine and that's how the whole Naisa with Nayach uh, and the with the sons the whole terrible mice that took place all occurred on that day that he planted that vineyard and the Chazal tell us on the Lashon of Ayachal Nayach that he was nischal of he profaned himself by planting a vine and although vines wine is a very very important thing and Kal Yisrael has a lot of mitzvahs that involve wine but it wasn't to be, it wasn't supposed to be the very first priority that Nayak had to plant a vineyard. He was nasa chulen vaita karem lohayo lohilita davershot hakolo. Because wine at the end of the day could potentially lead to very bad things if it's not used properly. And that's not the first thing that Nayak should have planted. He should have planted wheat, something that's universally good and accepted, and without too many problems associated with it. And because he planted wine, he was nischalel, he profaned himself in the world, and because of that he had a terrible bizayin. The Divna Magid brings a beautiful mushel, very cute mushel, to explain what was the exact, what was so terrible about Nayaf. what did he do that was so bad? And he says like this, he says, He says, imagine a person goes to a tzaddik and the tzaddik says that the very first thing that you do when you come home will be, there'll be a bracha. You know, a person goes to a tzaddik, he needs a lot of Parnassah, he's very poor, and he goes to the tzaddik and he asks for a bracha and he says, I'll give you a great bracha. The very first thing that you do as soon as you come home from my house, there'll be tremendous bracha in whatever it is that you do. So, this person is all excited as he's going home, he's planning already what he's going to do. He has a safe in the house, and in that safe he has $1,000, and he's going to come into the house, and he's going to right away start counting his money, and that's going to be what the bracha is called. he's going to be a billionaire. So, he goes home, and his wife is waiting at the door, no, what, what does the rabbi say, what's the bracha? He says, go up quickly, get me get me the money from the safe. She says, what do you want the money from the safe for? We, you know that that's earmarked for a special occasion, for a rainy day. We're not to touch that money. He says, what do you mean we're not to touch that money? I told you, go get the money from the safe. I'm not getting the money, and don't talk to me that way. And they start fighting and fighting and fighting. And the Dabna Magid says that was the first thing that they did. When he came home, they started fighting. He says, Baruch Hashem, the fights were going gavaldic. There was tremendous bracha in the fighting. The, the Rebbe's bracha was m'koyim. Instead of counting the money, he wasn't able to get to the money before he started fighting. So that fight was nisphorech and there was niskadol. Everything was gavaldic. The Shalom bayis was terrible, Baruch Hashem. And the Rebbe's bracha was m'koyim. And the, the Maggit says that's sort of what the pshat was when it came to, Avram, to, to Nayak. The Rabbani gave you a brand new world. Bracha, beyond one's imagination, you have a clean canvas. The world is fresh, the world is new. post mabo whatever you touch will turn to gold. The Rabbani gives you that afracha. You enter into, into a new world you get off the Tevar, whatever it is, the first thing that you do, that's where the bracha will be shaira. If he would have done something that was universally great, had he learned, had he done whatever he, daven, do something good, then that would have been the skarach. But instead he decided to go and plant a vineyard. There was bracha in the vineyard. In the wine, the wine had it fermented right away, he got drunk right away. Because the bracha was mekuyim, and whatever it is, the first thing that you do—that says the double the, 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 the magid—is why Nayach was so castigated. He should have known the first thing that you do. What was? What do you do first? Nayach the Haskalah has to be with something good, and if you choose something which is sort of a suffolk, what will become of it? Then there will be bracha in that, and there was takah bracha, but in a negative way. <coughs> Just before we get to my birth, I just want to stultzu. There's a, a maseh, a similar maseh to the Dibna Magia. That's a very, very beautiful, well-known maseh. It's kedai to know. There was a big Chassidish Rebbe by the name of Reb Meir Mipamishlan, and there was a a chassid that he had that came to Reb Meir and he said to him, he says, "I have no money. My daughter just got engaged. I need several thousand dollars." Nadin to provide for a dowry for my daughter, and if I don't get up, if I don't come up with the money soon, the shidduch is going to be broken. The boy apparently thought that I was very wealthy, and they, the the mechutanim are asking for a lot of money, and I don't know where I'm going to come up with it. So Mayor Pashlan personally, he didn't have too much money himself, but he gave this fellow, he gave this chassid a penny and it's a very small amount of money, which is more than he had when he came into the room, he was mamish penniless, and he says, take this penny, and go back to your town, and whatever the first business opportunity that you have, invest in that opportunity, and you'll be givenched, similar to the Dubna Magid's marshal. So, the Rebbe said to do it, you do it, you go, he went back to his hometown, and he was sitting in like a tavern, and he was like sort of playing with this penny that he had from the Rebbe. And there was a very extremely wealthy person in town, and he saw that Yankal of the Chassid, who everybody knew had no money, he suddenly had a little money on him, he had a penny. So, and this guy was a very mean-spirited, this rich guy was very, very rich, but very miserly and very mean. And he basically goes to the... To, to this Yankala and he says, Yankala he says, I uh, see so you have a penny do you want to do some business with me? he says, okay he says, I have a good idea, he says I'll sell you my Eilam Haba for that penny he thought he was like making the lechah out of it, you know, like Eilam eh, Haba, you could sell Eilam Haba so Yankala, you know, the words of the Rebbe were ringing in his ear, the very first business opportunity that he had he should invest in, he says, fine, deal and he gave him his penny and the deal was done and people in the tavern heard that conversation and they got very mad at this rich guy and they started saying Chutzpah, Yankala has no money there's one penny and you have to take it away from him with your, 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 your crazy deals that you're, you're cutting with Yankala and word spread all through town what a mean, terrible thing this rich guy did that he sold the Ilam haba. To, uh, to Yankala Chutzpah now this guy's daughter was also engaged and it went to the mechutanim that he was such a mean guy this this mechutan and he t- took a, the poorest guy in town he took his last grush away from him for some deal about Elamhaba, and it got back and the mechutanim were about to break the Shidduch and it got back to the wife of this rich guy and she said to him what did you do? first of all uh, you know, it's disgusting to take away a guy's last penny, to make some deal with him, and everybody, the, our daughter is crying in her room upstairs that her, her husband's about to leave her because of this crazy idea and also you sold El Harbor all that we were working for all that's stuck and any little bit of terror that you learned, you sold it for a penny so I don't want to be with you if you don't somehow undo that deal I'm getting divorced so he didn't, have much, he didn't have much choice. He went back to Yankola. He says, Yankola says, I want to renege on the deal. So I'll give you back your penny and you give me back my Haba and let's call, let's call it a day. So Yankola said, no, he says, I'm not, the deal's a deal. The Rebbe told me that the, he said, what Rebbe? So Mary I went to him and he told me that any deal that I go into, it's going to me so I'm not giving up the deal. He says, Yankola, listen. He says, don't make me trouble says, I'll give you $10. Give me back my Elam Habba. Let's, let's forget this nonsense. says, no. He says, oh, he's driving a hard bargain with me. I'll give you $100. says, no. He says, what do you want? How much money do you want already for Elam Habba? I says, I can't negotiate forever. He says, I'm not in a, in, in a place to negotiate. It's not my, I, we have to go to the Rebbe go To the Rebbe, where does he, he say he lives over there? He says, well, We're gonna go, it's it's quite a trek, but if you really want it back, this is, what's gonna, this is what it's gonna take. He goes home to his wife, and says, I'm not going, he's crazy, he's, she's, he's gonna shlot me to the Rebbe. He says, I don't want it, what do I do? Forget about it. He says, If you don't go with him to the Rebbe, we're getting divorced. That's it, I'm going to the Rav, Messiah Get, and that's it. <coughs> so he goes to Ramein Kamishvan, and the, the two of them stand before the Rebbe. And the Rebbe hears the case and he calls over Yankala to the side of him and says, how much do you need? Between the chasna and the flops and the, and, and the, and the apartment, everything that you're going to need uh, to pay for the chasna, how much is it going to cost? He says, I figure about $5,000. He says, okay. He goes to the rich guy, he says, give him $5,000 or else you don't get your Elam Haber back and the, this miser was like schwitzing, and his whole shirt was drenched $5,000 for a 5000 you know, deal, that. this is ridiculous he says, okay, then no deal he says, okay, he took out his $5,000 gave it to Yankala and that was the end of the story but that's sort of what it's like sometimes, the very first thing that you do that's what the bracha is on. You go to a, a rabbi, the rabbi tells you to invest in something, that's what you gotta do. Nayak had an opportunity to invest in whatever he wanted, the very first deal after the Mabo, and what did he invest in? He invested in a little bit of wine. And that's a very, very bad, bad thing to put into. You put into something that's chashuv. And now, to bring it to Parashas Lechlecha. If you look, the Rabbanish at the beginning of this week's parsha, similar similar to what we had in last week's parsha, the gives Avram Avinu a bracha. He says, I'm giving you an opportunity. <laughs> you go, leave your father's house, leave Haran, leave everything that you know. I'm going to take you to the promised land. There. You're going to be a great nation. I'll give you a bracha. I'll give you whatever you want. Your name is going to be famous. There's going to be bracha. and whatever you do. When you get into that land, you're going to be gebenched. So let's see. What did Avram Avinu do? What was the first thing that Avram Avinu did? If I had that bracha, that as soon as I go into Eretz Yisrael, there's going be the, yay, bracha from the rabbinic lailam. I would probably go to an ATM machine as soon as I get out of you know into into a Ben Gurion airport. I would go to the first ATM machine, take out money, and start counting it. So I'd be tremendously wealthy. Let's follow the trail of Avraham What was the very first thing that Avraham did when he came into Eretz Yisrael, on which he wanted the bracha to be shorter? So it says, "Va'yavoyu <coughs> They went. They came into aretz Kanan. Va'yava <coughs> Avram ba'aretz ad mekaim Avram avino. Va'yava Avram. Rashi says, "Nichnas l'saycha. He came into aretz Israel, and he went straight. He made like a beeline to Shechem. What was he doing in Shechem? Rashi says Avraham Avinu the priority that Avram Avinu had when he came into Eretz Israel was he went to What well, Shrem is like the worst place to go to you don't want to be caught dead in Shechem Shrem was the place that Shimon and Levi were going to end up making him a against Shechem and there was going to be a danger for them. Avraham Avinu went and was mistalal that they should be Matzliath. The very first thing that Avraham Avinu did when he came into Eretz Israel, all of the bracha, all of that potential of Ayyah Bracha ringing in his ears, he chose one thing. The first thing that he did as he came into Eretz Israel was he went to Shechem and He davened for his children. Avraham Avinu was the Av his name was Av, Avraham, Avraham and Geyim, but he was the forefather of Kal Yisrael he was the Av par excellence in the world and as a father the main thing that a father is concerned about is that slough of his children and so the very biggest priority the biggest emphasis that Avram Avinu put into, when he came into Eretz Yisrael, but what did he want the bracha to be shair on? The bracha should be shair on his children. He went to Shem to be misfollowed for his children. Because that's where he wanted all of the bracha, everything for the kinder. Everything should be for the children, and the children alone. <coughs> that was where Avraham Avinu put his bracha. Nayach put his bracha, he invested all of that potential bracha into wine. Avraham Avinu put all of his bracha into his kingdom. <laughs> and that's why Klai Yisrael became so great because that bracha that the Rebbe promised, the very first thing that he came into Eretz Yisrael, that should bracha shebishayra on what you're doing when you come into Eretz that's why Klai Yisrael became Klai Yisrael. Because of the Tzpilos of Avraham, I heard once an amazing chat. I heard it from Ratzon Solomon, and he said, "Ephesheim rebeliel apian." And you have to remember this. Word. I don't think I ever said it here. If I did, you'll be Michael me. But I don't remember ever saying it here. Barabim says a gorgeous art. You have to remember this. If you look in machzayim, not all machzayim have this, but many machzayim art scroll has it actually. But the earlier Makhzayim, the older Makhzayim, all have it in Hebrew, the original, and it says like this on Musaf. If you look in Musaf by the Kiddushah of Musaf of the first day of Rosh Hashanah, and by the Musaf of Yom Kippur. So when the chazan says "Aye," the minig is that the chazan sings the word "Aye," "Aye," and during that time that he sings the word "Aye." There's a skula. It's a time for chapping around some and it gives you three choices. There's a tefila, and it says like this. It's brought from a from the Arizal that on Rosh Hashanah of Musav the first day and Musav Yom Kippur, when the Chazan says Aye Mekayim, he asks for one of three things. And there's three tefillahs that you could choose one of them. You either could choose that your son, that you should have you should be a multi-billionaire. That's in, that's column A. Column B is that you should have that you should have Ruach HaKadosh. You should be able to be massive Ruach HaKadosh. That's door number two. That's column B. Column C is Banim Sadikim, The you have righteous children. So again, as the Chazan is saying, "Aye, you have you have to make a choice. You have to make a very quick decision. Which talum do you want? Do you want Eisher Muflog? You want to be very very wealthy? Kadavan for that, the tefillah is V'sitsei L'il Chol Pevei Silchamah Asher Chayim Ezeh B'Chayim Mizanei Zeh B'Chavod V'erevach Etc. A whole tefillah on Parnasa. Or if you want you can opt for option B. Hasagas roch hakodesh. They should have betitinely leiv maven ulahaseg roch hakodesh. Door number three. The third option is banim tzadikim betitinely banim tayim muksherim vahagunim. Lastly, b'saros echol mitzray sachel. Fractur b'lelapiyam. Can I ask for all three? I mean, does it have to be, why does it, it tells me, choose one. Choose one. I, you know, I want everything. If, let's say I, I'll go to Evelyn Woods speed reading, and I'll really try to chop all three. You know, I'll do it really, really fast, like I said, I'll, I'll chazer before Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. I'll rush on young kiffer, I'll mamish get it, so I can say it in, in five seconds, five, all of them. And I'll hop all three. I'll be a very rich billionaire with Rucha and great kids. What's, what's so bad about that? Why can't I hop all three? It's a good question. So Rebellion Lapian says a gorgeous chat. He says, There's only one right answer. There's only one right answer of those three. The right answer is you have to daven for banim Hagunen, Banim Tsadikan. That's, that's the only answer. But in order to be zaycha, to have banim tzaddikim, you have to be willing to concede, to give up something. You can't just stop and ask for banim tzaddikim. Banim tzaddikin don't come by itself. You have to be able to set that as your priority and to surrender certain other things in life in order to produce banim tzaddikim. What that means is, Rabbi say, if you want banim Sadiqim, it doesn't happen by itself. It doesn't happen v'asach b- f- f- If you see people that have great kids and they're studying and they're learning and they're from and they're on the derech and they're they always just they, they're, they're just good, healthy, you know, good kids. That doesn't happen by itself, or I should say, rarely does it happen by itself. Sometimes it does. There was once one of the best guys that we ever had in Lambda. I went over to his father once and I said to his father, I said, you got to tell me, you know, what your secret is. I want to sound like you. But you got to tell me the trick. Tell me what you did. So said, okay, I'm going to tell you the trick. He, come, he, whispers me, he pulls me over, he whispers in my ear, just neglect. Just just don't do anything. Just You're going to mess it up. Just don't, the best thing is just let him go on his own and he'll be matzalia. Right, that's not what I'm trying to say here today it works, once in a while it works neglect does sometimes work but it, that takes a lot of to neglect your kid and for the kid to be able to find good chevra and good rabbeim and good hashbais but a lot of times when you see kids that are good I always say if you want to see whether a person is really an adem gadol or not you know, sometimes you have a Rebbe or you have a, you know, a big adem gadol if you want to really really see what he's made of if he's the real deal or not don't look at him. Look at his kids. If his kids, I have a rabbi in in, in one of the yeshivas I went to. You know, he's a big Tamil chacham. He's a very Chashur person. But the real edus about how great he is, as you see his kids, one after another, one gem after another. One is a bigger Tamil chacham with menshlochkeit. With call me the and that didn't come by us. That came because the father, mamish, put everything into his kids. But that has to be by sacrificing some luxuries in life. You can't expect to raise banim tzadikim and be able to, at the same time, work you know twenty-five hours a day at work. And you can't do it by you know going on cruises and being able to completely neglect your kids' upbringing and expect to raise vanim sadikim. And it even can't happen by you sitting in base medish and learning and working on your personal Ruach and Shtaydim. That can't be either. That's imp- all those things are important. It's important to make parnoster. You can't just say, okay, I'm quitting my job to bring up my kids. Your kids need parnoster. Your kids need to eat and to live in a decent home and to be able to have clothing and to go to yeshiva. We're not saying that you have to completely give up your learning to raise good kids. But you have to certainly give up some Ruach HaKadosh, some personal ability to shteig in order to raise Banim Tzadikim. And you have to give up some Pernasar. You can't go on business trips for half a year at a time and expect to have Banim Tzadikim. You have to give something up. And that's what the Arizal is telling us. There's one right answer of the three choices. Not a matter of it's Not a vending machine that you know you put in a you press this button, that button, that button, and put, presto, you get rocha kaidesh. And you get obviously you have to work for it. The working, what are you working for? Banim tzadikim. There's one right answer. You have to daven for banim tzadikim. And by the way, this is if you think, well, he's speaking to the wrong crowd. There's very few of us have kids yet. It doesn't matter. You have to daven already now that you should have sadiq, and before you're even married. Before you're dating. You have to think about these things. Because you have to train yourself how to be mechanic a child even now. But you have to give up something. You can't expect to get door number one, door number two, and door number three. You can't do that. It doesn't happen. Even on the price is right, it does. Let's make a deal. That doesn't happen. You get one choice. And the right door to choose is the door behind which stands Banam Sahikim. That's the main Matara in life, that we are put here for, to be able to be Mam Shech, to good kids. But to do that, you have to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of Baruch HaKadosh. You have to say, look, I have a chance to daven here for Baruch HaKadosh. I have a chance to daven for Oishar Muflog and despite that chance to daven for those things, I am not going to daven for those things, instead I'm going to choose this door, I'm going to choose Banam sadikim, and that's teaching us a Muslim shmuz that you have to put that first even at the expense, and that at the expense, of those other things there's a similar part with the panim the panim was a Kayin, Yosef Kahneman, he was a Kayin and he was a a Kayin, obviously. And a Kayin, get asked a lot to be the kayan by a pigeon Ben. By a Pidjana Ben, Pidjana Ben is a very rare event. Um, people that have a, a son, a Bukhar, who is not, it takes a lot, it takes like a perfect, you know, all the constellations have to be perfectly aligned to have a pigeon Ben. That's why it's such a rarity. You have to have, it has to be a firstborn boy, it has to be born natural, a natural birth as opposed to like a C-section. And it has to be somebody who neither neither grandfather are either a kain or a lady. Meaning both grandfathers are Yisraeli. And it would seem like there would be that should happen more often, but it's very rare. I mean, here and there you, you go, you're invited. Like, you know, maybe in my whole life I, I went to you know, maybe three or four Pigeon HaBens. Lately in Yeshiva, there has been a, a rash of Pigeon HaBens. But it's a, it's a rarity. Before I came to Yeshiva, I don't think I was ever at a Pigeon haben in my life. And by the Pigeon HaBend, for those of you that would understandably not be too familiar with the, with the ceremony, the Kayin comes, and there is like a, a canned dialogue between the Father and the Kayin. And it's like almost like a play, like they're they're reading from a script, and the kain is holding on to the baby, or the baby's on the table, and the kain is like holding on to the tray or something, and the father's there standing on the 30, 30th day, thirty days after the birth, on the thirty first day, he's standing with five silver coins in his hand, silver. So you have to use like I think now they restart, they started making the silver dollar silver again, but for a while, for many years, it was not silver. So you have to find like really old silver coins, silver dollars, or something that has the shot a certain weight. And this is what the conversation goes like. First, this is the father goes and he says, "Zebani b'chiri u'patirachem It's the mother's first baby, and Hakadosh Baruch will command me to to redeem him, etc. Okay. Then the Kayin says, asks the question, "My boy is tefei. What do you prefer, you father, dad? What do you want? What would you rather have? Would you rather give me your son, who is a pachiracham the first, your firstborn son? Would you like to give him over to me, to the Kayin, because he has a kedusha and whatever that means? But would, would you want him to stay in the realm of?" the Kayin, the Kayim. or would you rather give him, give me those five coins that I see, you know, clinking in your hand, and, and be paid to him as the Torah commands you to do. And then the father says, I would like to please redeem my son, the um, may and, and take this pigeon, take the money that the Torah commands me. And then the father takes the, the money and he makes a bracha, a ben, and a and then the kayin says, this is in lieu of that, the money is in lieu of the baby. Very funny conversation going on over here. And the Panavitchurabu is asked to be the Kayin on a lot of pigeon abens he would often also be asked to speak at the Pigeon. He was a devaldicist speaker. The, the Panavichirov was probably one of the greatest speakers in the last hundred years. Tremendous. I mean, I never heard him speak personally, but if you see the drushas that, that are written down, he's beautiful, beautiful, and he was a tremendous, uh, he was just a great orator. So he would get up at the Pigeon Abed, then very often he would say the same bark. He'd say, what's going on over here? What is this, is this Is this Is this a joke? I mean, would any father in the world say, you know what, I'd rather have the five, uh, you know, I really wanted to go to Carlos and Gabi's for lunch, so keep the baby, I'm out of here. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, what, what, what do you, do you think, is, is this like a rhetorical question? You know, uh, you know, what do you want? Do you want the five bucks? Do you want uh, the five dollars or the five slime? Or would you rather have the baby? Of course the guy wants the baby. What's the, what's the, what's the Shiloh? So the Pond of says a beautiful vote. So it's not an immediate, of course the father wants the money. The, oh, the father wants the baby. Sorry. That's Freudian. <laughs> of course the father wants the baby. I didn't get too much sleep last night. My baby was up. Anyway, um, the father, Zecher, wants the baby. What the client is asking, what this whole minig is all about is, it's a Musur schmus, the father. What do you want more in life? Do you want money more? Or do you want to raise a good kid? Are you going to put the mighty dollar before raising good children? Or do you want the baby? Do you want to make sure to invest all of the good stuff that you have? All the extra time that you have? All the love that you have? All the attention? All of the kishrinas that you have? Do you want to put that into raising a good child? My boys say, what do you want? Not today, of course today you're going to do the mitzvah. But what about, let's fast forward five years from now. Ten years from now. Twenty years from now. Your son needs you. Your son needs a father to play ball with. Your son needs a father to learn with. This week in Yeshiva, my son, Father Hashem, is in fourth grade. Until now, was sort of I was able to cruise. I was able to do whatever. all of a sudden, this week, the first week, a Mamush hit me what it's like to be a you know a father, like really investing time in a son. He had like it was like final week. He's I mean, like in fourth grade. He already has like worrying about. He had like six tests this week. On Sunday, we had to go over. He had a parsha test, and then on Monday, he had a mishnayas test, and on Tuesday, he had a milam test, and on Thursday, he had a very hard math test. In a couple of years, I'm 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 not going to know. Anything. So you know, right now, it's still like rounding. It's not so bad, but like, uh, but you know, once we get up to like mathematics, uh, you know, higher mathematics, but we'll see what happens. We might have to hire somebody if anyone's interested. Um, and then, and then, uh, you know, and then, and then today there was a chumish test. It's ridiculous, but that's a different story. But, but every single night, I, I do not have time barely to eat. I did not have time to learn. You know, I have to decide, I had to rush back to Yeshiva to go to the Vav, but like from that time, you know, which is normal when I prepare a or whatever, I did not have any time. From the time I came home, until, until I had to go to Yeshiva, I was cramming with him in the basement, like, you know, you know math and the this and that. Now, if I, I could choose to, you know, I'll learn and, you know, let him get whatever he gets on the test. You know, I could choose not to play ball. I could choose not to shmooze, not to take a walk, but I don't know then if I'd be raising the same child. And that's what the Kayin is asking the father: What do you want in life? Is it more important for you to make money? Is it more important for you to get that kashuba, you know, to make partner in that fancy law firm and never see your kid, or to work like a dog in a hospital face to work the grave night, the grave the graveyard shift? and never be able to spend time at home with your kids or to be able to, or learning and putting all of your paifas into learning and yourself shtagging or is it important to take the baby and hold the baby and embrace it and make sure that you're the best father you could be? Where are your priorities? And this is what the, the father has to say, my priorities are with the baby. I'm gonna put the baby, I'm gonna raise the best possible child that I can and that's the holy site of the Pijanah Ben and I believe that that's the site of Avraham Avinu Avraham Avinu had the choice when he came into Eretz Yisrael to go to the ATM machine he could have sat down and learned a shav Shemitah he could have been applying that bracha that the Rabbani Yisrael promised him when you come into Eretz Yisrael there's going to be Gevaldic bracha and now I'm looking what is the first thing that you do the very first thing that you invest in says the Rabbani Yisrael that will be the bracha Avraham Avinu did nothing. He went for Shechem and he davened that his, his children should be matzliach. He shall banim tzaddikim, banim hagunim, banim mutzlochim. That's what Avraham Avinu teaches us in this week's parsha. Where is the broth alive? What are our priorities in life? What are we going to do? What's our main matara in life? If we follow Avraham Avinu, our main matara will be to give over to the next star, to give over to the next generation all of the bracha that we can. That's the aside, that's what Avramavino is teaching us. We also find a similar thing. By The Brisbane Absarim. The Brisbane Absalom, promised this week's parashaw. You should know that your children will be strangers in a strange land. And you're going to serve there. The children are going to be slaves. Bitter slavehood for four hundred years. of the they weren't there. They weren't slaves for 400 years. They were slaves for 210 years. Every child knows that, right? What's the terutz? There are a few in either that their inoy was so great that it was like 400 years. But Rashi brings the chat that those 400 years started from Leidas Yitzchak. As soon as Yitzchak was born on that Pesach, if you count 400 years to the day from Pesach when Yitzchak was born his his first birthday 400 years later will be the day of Yitzchak Mitzrayim and so the question is asked that's very nice that's cool but how is that a keyom of were they slaves 400 years Yitzchak never stepped foot in Mitzrayim he never left Eretz Yisrael so he wasn't a slave in Mitzrayim so what does that mean that your children will be slaves for 400 years in Mitzrayim or in a So I once heard a beautiful pshat. I don't remember who says it, but the pshat is that from the moment that Yitzchak was born, Avram Avinu was scared. Avram Avinu was worried. Calls him that he didn't have a child, or they didn't have a child that was going to have that this person being Absalom was shy to So he was. didn't really. was out of out of out of sight, out of mind. As soon as Yitzhak was born, that day, all of a sudden, Abraham Avinu starts getting nervous. Because that means that his children are going to be slaves in a foreign land. And Abraham Avinu's worry and daiga and concern for his children was so intense that it was like the Sheba started then. In Abraham Avinu's mind, there was Sheba Mitzrayim from the first minute that his son, that that, 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 that. The minute that he had the zera, the minute that he had Yitzchak, he was he held Yitzchak and he was worried for Yitzchak and for his children, for his grandchildren, oh there's going to be a Shibud. His mind was so concerned with his children, with his offspring, that it's as if the Shibud started in earnest from that first day that Yitzchak was born. That's what a doting father Abraham Avinu was. That was his care, his concern, his priorities were so perfect that it was as if the Sheba started the moment that Yitzchak was born, he was, he was worried about him. What would be with Yitzchak, or if not Yitzchak, his, his grandson, his great-grandchildren. And so it was as if, on a certain Bechinah, on a certain level, on a certain very high plane, as if the Sheba started from that first day that Yitzchak was born. Because that's what Avram Avinu was. Avram was such a father that he cared so much about his children, he invested so much concern and love and hope and promise into his children that that's why we're here today. When we speak about Tzchus Aves, it all comes from the fact that Avraham Avinu loved us, cared about us, thought about us, was worried about us, davened for us. The Tzchus of Aves stands for us at ayayim. The Gemara says that Tzchus Aves' up, but Taisha says that if you do the right thing, if you follow the Abbas, if you act like a tzaddik, it still is around. Avram Avinu's tzfilas that he had when he came into Eretz Yisrael, were nisparit. There was tremendous bracha. Because that's what he invested in. He put all of the investment of bracha into his children. And that's what we're supposed to do with our lives. Yes, we're supposed to be Tomidacham Mubhakim. And yes, we're supposed to earn Kainasar. But the main Matara in life, the priority that we have to put in life is teaching our children, loving our children, investing in them, figuring out a career that will be able to, talk to be home a little bit for our children. and making a lot of time for them and giving them attention and love because that is what's going to make them be able to navigate the choppy seas of Gullus. Look at our generation, look at your generation. How many of us are not doing so well? How many of us are not here in yeshiva today? And a lot of it has to do with the fact that their upbringing wasn't as good or they weren't, they had a bad cheva, something happened, but a lot of it has to do with how much love was invested by a parent into a child, by a father and a mother into a child. <coughs> I saw a beautiful mice once that there was a very poor couple who had a lot of children, several children, and they sent them to yeshiva, but they couldn't afford the tuition, the tuition was too high, and so every year they had to go before a board of, uh, you know, a committee, a tuition committee in, in the yeshiva that they, their children went to, and they had to explain, you know, that. Uh, we can't afford everything. We'll try the best as best we can. We'll give you a, you know a few hundred dollars a month, whatever we can afford. But we can't afford today. Yeshiva education is very, very expensive. I mean, I I got bills at the beginning of this year from between my 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 son and my three three daughters, um, astronomical. I mean, i, I, I had to call out sala when I opened the letter. Like you know, Mamash, like 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 a number that like crazy number. Um, and it's very hard. It's, this is the number one crisis in, you know, amongst Orthodox Jews today is yeshiva education. It's so, it's so expensive, you know, and, and my kids are not going to some fancy, you know, uh, Long Island uh, yeshiva. It's, it's, it's cheap relative, but it's impossible. It's very hard. Anyway, so people, they went to the, to the committee and they said, we can't afford it, you know, please give us a break and you have to, you know, anyway, they said fine, we'll give you a break. And um, and that was how it went. And for many years, you know, this was going on. And they tried the best; they did whatever they could, but they couldn't. Uh, they they just couldn't completely pay even half of the bill. So that's. I mean, this is you know, pretty common in yeshivas, and they have to raise money other ways. Anyway, and they of course they didn't only lack tuition; they lacked a lot of basics. They didn't have so much food in the house. They didn't have uh, you know a lot of the luxuries that their friends had and the other people had. They did not. One day they were, they got up. You know, yeshivas have Chinese auctions. It's a whole nother shmuz. But basically, it's uh, basically it's it's a uh, you know an opportunity to make money in a very geschmacka way. You know, instead of just writing out a check and you know holding your notes and giving it to the yeshiva or giving it to the shul or giving it to the you know the organization. Here it's like a whole fun night, and you have like a glitzy. You know, a brochure, and you can win. Uh, you know, diamond, uh, diamond necklaces, and and a trip to Israel, an apartment in Israel, or a, you know a an in girl Shas. And you put in money, and it's sort of like a like a raffle, like auctions. And you come away, you get. It's like a fun way of giving tzedakah, and it's very effective. Organizations can make a lot of money this way. So the yeshiva, or they... so they invested. They went. There's something called split the pot. Right, split the pot is one of the things you can put into. For the, for the raffle is that every single person, you know, I don't know, gives, let's say, $10 into the split the pot. So if there's a few, you know, it could be like $50,000. And if your name is called, you split the pot with the yeshivas. You would get, let's say, if it's $50,000, you get 25000 So these people, they, they went to this Chinese auction. And sure enough, they put in for split the pot. They won $25,000 cash, they brought it home in like a, you know, like a big suitcase and, you know, they woke the kids up early the next morning and they put this huge suitcase of money on the table and they, you know, they flip it over and there's like $100 bills and $20 bills and $25,000 cash is a lot of, it's a lot of, it's a lot of cash. And the kids are like rolling in and they think they're rich and they're finally able, you know, to, you know, to get their uh, you know, their DS's or get their, uh, you know, be able to maybe buy a pair of normal sneakers for once or buy a baseball. And they're so excited, the kids thought, wow, we're rich. We have everything that we could possibly want. Now, Baruch Hashem, thank God we finally, you know, struck it. The parents then, they put all the money back into the bag. So, come with us. They take the kids into the car. They go into the yeshiva. Kids say, okay, we'll see you later. No, no, no. come, come, come. They go straight into the executive director's office and they say, we owe you this. And they gave the entire $25,000 as tuition, all the tuition that was owed, you know, going back a couple of years. And they said to the kids, this is what I want you to see. You are the most important thing in our life. You are what we're investing in. We are putting our last dollar into you. And you should understand that and appreciate that. All of these types of Islam, a guy would never do this in a million years. More, 90% of a guy, man. maybe 90% of Jews won't either. But the Jews that would do it, it comes from the DNA from Abraham Avinu. That Avraham Avinu teaches us that you want to know where the bracha lies. The bracha lies in making sure that we have banim Hagunim, and banim tzadikim. Avraham Avinu davened and cried and shem and all over to Yisrael to make sure that his children should be eloq, that his children should be honest and ethical and good and pure and holy and righteous. And that's why he was to a yitzchak because of aye bracha. And that's why he was to a yakev. And that's why he was to the shiftei kah. And that's why he was zaykhed to Moshe and to Aaron and to David and to Shlomo and to Yaseh, everything. Ad All of the tzaddikim in this room, he was zaykhed to because he davened. All of the bnei Torah, all of the yidn that Hashem us that do the right thing, all because of Shosavist, all because of Abraham Avinu, instead of doing anything when he came to Israel, when the Rabbi Hashanah says, he's going to there, it's the Yei Bracha, And he had a choice of doing anything that he would have wanted. He went to Shechem and he davened that my children should be Matzliach. And he never stopped davening for us. And that's why, as Chaim Velazhnev famously says, all the things that we have, all our brachas were because Abram Avinu did so much for us. He worked so hard himself to be kind of good things for his children. Today it's Keteva Mutva. It comes like almost naturally. When, we, when we're Miser Nefesh for things. It's all from Avraham Avinu by the kipshon Ha'esh. And when we suddenly, says Rebbechaim Rosh and have like a, an urge to make aliyah, to move to Eretz Yisrael, it's because of Lech Lecha. Whatever Avraham Avinu did, it made it, he put into the genes of Klai Yisrael all of this good stuff. He davened for us, he cared for us, everything was for Kindlelach. Everything was for Klai Yisrael. That's what Avraham Avinu had. Avraham Avinu, the very first thing he was, was an Av. He was a Tati par excellence. He was our main, the, the four, he was the, the first of the forefathers. Yaakov was the Bechir Shebav, whatever that means, but Avraham I Avinu mean, was the, he laid the, he set the table for Kla Yisrael through his Tfilos, through his love of his children, through his concern for them. That's what Avraham I Avinu mean, is. That's what we should take from the Parsha. That when we have children in amidst Hashem, we should remember these words, we should remember the importance of taking all of the other things that people run after and putting them a little bit on the side and saying, I have to give up some of those things because I want to raise Banim Hagun and Banim Sadiqim. This is what I need. I need to make sure the next generation after me and my grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren will all follow in my derif. But it has to come. It doesn't come by itself. It doesn't come by neglect. It comes because a person puts in and puts in and never stops giving. And even if sometimes the children don't appreciate it and they're not always so appreciative of it and they don't know always how to say the right things and sometimes they disappoint us even. You still have to give and in more and in harder and cry a little bit. Even before you have children. Because this is what it takes <coughs> to bake such a child to make such a child you have to put the right ingredients in and the better the ingredients the better the cake and so Mirza Hashem we should learn this from Avraham Avinu Parshas lech see what the first thing is that Avraham Avinu did when he came into Eretz Canaan and that is where the bracha lies